0: Welcome to the Kingdom Culture Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this spirit-filled message that it blesses your week and brings you joy and perspective. To connect with us, hop on social media and for more information, head to kingdomculturechurch.com.au. Thanks, uh, so much worship team, incredible worship this morning, and a beautiful presence of God in the house, and um, one that we don 't ever take for granted. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I met you. I was breathing. But not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. It was my tomb till I met you. You called my name. And I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness into your glorious day. I'm going to camp around this song because, um, because I can, but because I want to in my own life. I've been camping around this song and singing this because and it, it needs to take a hold of our spirit that we were called out of the tomb, that it was a voice that we heard with our ears that said, come out of that tomb. It wasn't just a suggestion. It wasn't just a, you might, if you want to, or if you're feeling like it today, or maybe if the Spirit is leading you. It was a, come out of that tomb. And why? Because he's not going to leave us in the grave clothes of comfort. And he's not going to leave us to rest in peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have to understand... That his voice has come not to soothe us awake, but to shake us from the complacency of death. It wasn't a, oh, I was alive, but then I sort of came alive. I was dead, but I came alive. We're not talking about just being sort of warm and sort of... We're talking about being dead, stone-cold dead, and now we are alive. And that is what our future looks like. We're not looking at death. We're not looking at going backwards. We're not looking at problems and all the stuff that the world might throw at us, all the stuff the devil might throw at us, all the circumstances we might find ourselves. We're actually looking at the life of Christ that sustains us. Because he said, come out of that tomb. Come out of that place of death. He's calling us out of the death of the familiar. What we're used to, church. And I feel like, you remember what Jason was saying, there's been like a, a line drawn in the sand. I feel like for KCC this year, he's saying, come away from what is comfortable, come away from what is familiar, and let me lead you into life. You can stay there where it's warm and cozy, and you can, or you can be like Peter getting out of the boat, and you might go down a little bit, but I'll come and get you and lift you up. He'll hold out his hand, and he'll sustain us. Or we can just sit back and say, you know what, we like it like it is. And he's just going to go, that's fine. But I tell you, there is something that in me this morning, there's something in you this morning that is saying, I need to be in hot pursuit of Christ. And nothing else is going to satisfy me. Nothing else is going to satisfy you. And I'm hearing his voice saying to me, Robert, come out of that grave. And when you hear your name, nothing, when you hear your name spoken by the voice of Jesus, the word of God coming to you, nothing will stop you. Nothing will prevent you. Nothing can hinder you because he will enable, because the word that he has given you, he brings it to pass. He makes it happen. He never says something that he isn't going to fulfill in your life. This is the God that we serve. When Jesus said to Lazarus, Lazarus, Come out of the tomb. Let's remember, he'd been in the tomb four days. Four days. You know, Lazarus. And then he hears a voice. Lazarus, come out of the tomb. Come out of there. And his eyes flickered open. I think I think we think he sort of just sauntered out. Or he zombied out. I reckon, listen, if it was me coming out of that grave, do you know what I've done? I'd have ripped those clothes off because I would not have wanted those stinking things on me any longer. I'd have got out butt naked if necessary. And I wouldn't have been sauntering; I'd have got out of there as quick as I could because that is what it's like to be in a place of death. And we need to realise that He's called us out of death, and therefore let's stop prettying up the gospel. And what Lazarus—he was butt naked, I reckon, and he got out of there. And everybody went, "What happened to him?" Jesus spoke His name he would have distanced himself from every vestige of death, every smell of death, everything that spoke of death. And we need to separate ourselves and distance ourselves from everything that smells of death, looks like death, tastes of death, let's get out of there. Because he's calling our name. And who he calls, he causes to run well. Listen, saved or unsaved, whether you're in relationship with Jesus Christ today or you're not, you need to be in hot pursuit of the voice that's calling your name. See, yesterday's gone. Today will soon be a memory, but the future is the voice that's calling your name. Jesus is your future. The Word of God, Jesus himself, is our future. The only, the only response to Christ's voice is hot. Pursuit. Yeah. The challenge for us as believers in the 21st century is not the ability for us to hear God's voice. The challenge to our faith today is our willingness to hear. The challenge to our faith today is not only our willingness to hear, but our willingness to listen to and follow other voices. We've got a, a, a white hen. And I go out, we go out in the back, well, I go out in the back deck and I go, chuk, 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 and this thing comes mentally running towards you. And there's another one, there's a black one with three chicks. But this white one goes, because he knows the food, and he also knows the chick, the little chicks are gonna get the food. So he runs out of there. Or she, or whatever it is, you know. So she, and and she sits there at the bottom of the thing, and I'm throwing out the bread, and I throw the first bit of bread, and she runs over there. I throw the next bit, she runs, drops that one, runs over there. And she literally, so all the others are eating the ones that land, and they just stick with the one they got. She always goes to every single one to the last bit because she thinks everyone else is getting more or better or best. That is what it's like when we're listening to other voices. Something else is going to draw us. Something else is better. There's something over here in that church I want, in that pastor I want, in that leader I want, in that friend I want, in that relationship I want, in that drug that I want, in that program that I want. Boom, 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 all over the place. We have to be focused because Jesus is calling our name. The struggle is real for we are surrounded by so many ideas, so many opinions, so many ideologies that compete for our attention. And why do they compete for our attention? It's not to get our attention, it's to get our affection. It says in, I can't remember where it is now, in the Bible, it says in the good King Jimmy, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things that are above, set your affection on things above. It's using the old-fashioned word. I don't know what the new word would be. Set your... Intent, you what? Ad- attention, yes, but affection—that the thing that you are warming towards, yeah. that you are setting your love upon. Yeah. Set your affection. The voice we follow is the voice that we give, we give our affection to. You know, we can be in hot pursuit. I can be in hot pursuit. I can have a lukewarm response, or I can just have cold indifference but I can't have all three at once. Let me tell you, any voice that has the power to deliver you from eternal darkness and life that is absent of God is not a voice that you saunter after. It's a voice that you pursue because your very life depends upon it. And everything begins to drop away because you so want relationship with the one whose that voice is. Jesus couldn't have been clearer when he said, these words, my sheep hear my voice, John 3 3. See, both faith and unbelief are contagious. They are powerful influences. We need to realize that faith and unbelief are contagious. They're powerful influences. We have to decide what influence we are going to have in our world and in the world around us. Is it going to be faith or unbelief? They're powerful things and they're contagious. The Bible couldn't be more loud and clear when faith, where faith comes from. Faith comes from hearing. and hearing. So the voice, the word, when we hear that, faith is brought into our life. All of us can hear God's voice or we wouldn't be sitting here today. What was it that he spoke your name? He said, come into relationship with me. And you came into relationship with him. You heard a voice. So all of us can hear the voice. Amen? Amen. All of us. When I was 44 years ago, when I gave my heart to Christ, it was because I heard a voice that I could respond to. I stopped running after other voices that were drawing me, and I responded to that one voice. And the truth is, I respond to it day after day after day after day after day. day. I didn't do it once, minute after minute, and sometimes it's even second after second because i get myself in stupid places where my mind is playing tricks with me and i need to go your voice jesus your voice jesus your voice jesus right. <laughs> salvation is a response to his voice how i live my life today what i tie myself into who or what i follow is the result of realist- of listening and responding to a voice. I know these are big concepts, but uh, like big constructed sentences, but it's so important we get this. What I tie myself into, who or what I follow after is the result of listening and responding to a voice. John 3, 4. He leads them, follows the, um, my sheep hear the voice. He leads them and they follow because they're familiar with his voice. Isn't that beautiful? See, I used to read that sort of thing as, I've just got to be, make sure it's the voice of Jesus and all and tie myself in absolute knots totally screwed up, he says my sheep are familiar with my voice he's making himself familiar to us, he's not hiding away, he's not playing games he says he's familiar to us, he knows us they won't follow a stranger's voice it says in John 3, 4 but will scatter because they aren't used to the sound of it You know, we may be the sheep in the story. And, you know, we're chomping grass. And we hear his voice and we go, we have to respond to the voice. We're not powerless sheep. We're sheep that can follow his voice. He's taking us into new pastures. He's taking us on a journey. The voice comes so that we follow comes that we can follow the christian walk is all about call and response cause and effect the voice you act upon is the voice that you're following you know we need to trust less in our weakness and inability to hear god's voice and more totally much more in the ability of god to make himself heard and we get frightened because we think i could miss god you know, there's people in this room making big decisions today. There's people in this room making small decisions today. And the enemy loves to come in and the flesh loves to come in and say, you might not hear, you might not hear. His sheep hear his voice. He's got a, God's got an ability to make himself heard. And sometimes I think it's not so much his ability to make himself heard, but as I said earlier, our willingness to hear what he's saying. And that is the truth, because sometimes to get out of the grave, you've got to leave the comfort. You've got to leave that. I would rather rest in peace, thank you, Jesus, and get out of that grave. Greatest enemy to our heart is not really other voices, but busyness of heart. See, sometimes we blame our schedule. But, you know, when you think about it, Jesus had a crazy schedule. He had to pack into three years what you and I are packing into however long you got. And yet, it didn't matter where he went. People came to him. They demanded of him. They wanted healing. They wanted him to touch him. They wanted to see him. They wanted a word from him. They wanted their daughters healed. Their sons healed. Their mothers healed. They wanted food from him when they forgot to eat because they were just following him and they, they forgot to eat. They forgot their basic needs. And, they said, Jesus, and Jesus said, you need to feed them. And so he fed them. but he knew what it was to have demands upon him and yet maintain that personal peace and tranquility of spirit and the ability to hear the still small voice. And I know that all sounds very perfect and like, yeah, well, when I'm on the checkout at Coles, you should see what it's like. I don't know. But, um, or when I'm Brian doing my computer thing and you don't know what it's like, I have to think in ones and zeros. I don't know whether he thinks in ones. I know nothing about computers. Listen, it's not the storms outside of us that drown his voice, but often it's the storm inside. Our life is dependent on his voice, and his voice will never contradict his word. Because it says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. There's so rich. The scripture and all of this stuff is so rich. You could spend hours talking about it, but there's a preceding word of God, and I want the preceding word of God in my life. I can't rely on what was yesterday. I can rely on the word that is powering me forward, but I need the preceding word of God, the word that is ongoing, the word that is saying, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. follow me." When I read his word, I say, God, speak to me. Literally, when I'm reading the word, I say, speak to me. And he'll often highlight and bring illumination to what I'm reading. And that illumination will often speak into what happens in my day. Because his light, his word, is a lamp to my feet. A light to my path. Right. And listen, we've been talking a little bit around this. And again, I feel the spirit of God really hovering over this for us as a church. And um, that, the parable of the sower. But whenever God speaks to us, the word is like a seed. Yeah. The seed in the ground dies, sprouts, uh, sprouts, grows, and bears more seed. But you know, that seed that has multiplied carries... The DNA, those seed that comes from that seed, it carries the very DNA of that seed. The seed that is in you, that the scripture talks about, that was placed in you, carries the very DNA of God. Your future is in God. You are purposed to prosper and to do well and to know him and be in relationship with him. You see, the Word of God is a seed that when mixed with your soil, and I don't know that I've got this, so I'm just going to repeat it because I just feel it's worth repeating. You need to realize you are good soil, that and you are exactly what is needed for the Word of God in you to sprout. You don't have to have a soil transplant. You just need to be good soil and be who you are and allow Him and allow the seed to do its work in you so that it totally transformed our lives. James 1 verse 21 says, with a sensitive, humble spirit, we absorb God's word, which has been implanted within our nature for the word of life has power to continually deliver us. This is amazing. The power of the seed, the word of life has power to continually deliver us what is the soil humility with a sensitive humble spirit we absorb God's word and that is an issue humility to hear the word of God who likes to hear the word of God absolutely but it says be humble And it takes humility to hear it sometimes, because sometimes, believe it or not, it's not what you want to hear. And we all laughed nervously and said amen. When I go out on my bike for a bike ride and I'm telling God this situation and that situation, I'm not quite, because I've got my hands on the head of my (laughs) foot, but in my head I'm going, and, and it's like this and it's like, and he goes, no, it's like this. And that word drops in my heart and I have a choice of being humble and saying, God, I received that word and you germinate that in my life. Or I can continue to say, this is what my situation and circumstances are like. But if I allow the seed of God that he has spoken into my life at that point, at that point when he's saying, no, it's like this to germinate, it will have power in my life. And circumstances and situations must bow the knee to the word of God. But there is power in the word of God. There is power in his voice. The quality and excellency of, excellence of my week is no longer dictated by my external circumstances, but by the voice that speaks in me. I like that one more than you're responding. The quality and excellence of my week is no longer dictated to by external circumstances, but by the voice that speaks in me. <laughs> When he speaks to us, he's looking for soil that will steward what he said. It's not, oh, well, here I am, just put a seed in me and it'll work out. (laughs) That was very English, wasn't it? It'll work out. Um, (laughs) It's not like that. He's saying, steward the word. Steward the word. Give it room to grow. Speak into your life. Give it the right conditions. Stop saying, speak to me and put your seed in and then being like a fridge. And when, when circumstances come to water that seed, be gone in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> Listen, so often we have bought the seed because it's not big enough for us, not grand enough, not important enough, and frankly, just not impressive enough at that time. A seed is full of potential. A word from God is full of Potential. You know, we can often spend so much time with the wrong focus. What's the wrong focus? We look at the soil. We look at our circumstances. We look at our lives. Too dry, too wet, too crumbly, too firm, too rich, too poor, too much manure. I'm not growing fast enough. We need to get focused on the seed which has the fullness of power. Power even to break through and flourish In the hardest of soils and in willing soil, it will break through and flourish. So, I get the uh, band up, that'd be great, thank you. Just wanna emphasize this point about the seed not being what we want it to be, because some of us are facing decisions and we're not liking the voice that we're hearing. Because the voice seems to be taking us off in a different direction. And, you know, I can give an example. When, I, when God spoke to me at the age of 14 that I would move to Australia, it took 10 years for that to happen. And my life went off on a completely random track. And yet I always knew God had spoken me to come to Australia. But I could have gone, this, isn't, this is all going wrong, this is all going wrong, and just jettisoned the whole thing and dumped it but that's not what happened because he had a hold of my life. If what you are looking for has to be grand and impressive, if it has to always be an attention-grabbing Facebook-worthy moment, then you may not hear the still small voice of the next step. Are we only in pursuit of Christ when the spotlight is on us? Or did he say, but when, didn't you remember when he said, But when you pray, come into your closet. I don't know about you, but your closet, but my closet isn't often pretty looking. It's often very disordered. No Heather always hanging up my stuff, bless her. It's certainly not comfortable. But it's there that the exchange takes place. He hears my voice and I hear his voice. I don't often go in the closet and do that. But that spiritual place, which isn't always comfortable, isn't always tidy. Life is not tidy. Life is not comfortable. But can you hear his voice? Because if you can hear his voice, you're a winner. If you can hear his voice, you have every way of escape. What is played out in the privacy and orderiness of your closet. It might never be seen on your social media platform of choice, but it gets top billing in the theater of heaven. Because when he hears you, he says, I will shout, he will shout from the rooftop what is spoken in secret. So let's get speaking in secret, not to get our names out there, but because it counts in heaven. (coughs) So, I've got three points, and then I want to just come back for a word that I got for um, Brian and Julie. So, so, I'm going out of order of my notes, but please remind me. So, just, I've got three points in, in finishing up, and you could preach for weeks on these. But anyway, number one is follow me and let me shape you. Mark 1, verse 17 to 18 said, Then Jesus said to them, Follow me and I will make you. We go, fish as men, absolutely. But what was number one thing was, Follow me and I will make you. The problem is we go, I will follow him, but I will actually want to do what I want to do and make sure that it looks like I want to look it to look like. See, God is wanting to make you, not break you. And we hear, hear that a lot, and that's the truth. But there is a truth also in that a horse gets broken so it can run well. Haven't got even time to, I know some people will be offended by that. I actually think, you know what? If you just want to be a horse that's running around a paddock doing your own thing and chasing your tail, that is up to you. But if you want the rein and to carry the king on your back, then he's not going to get on if he's, you're, he's going, to, you're going to buck him off every few minutes. So I think I've said enough. Jesus was a wood shaper, a carpenter. He was a wood shaper before he was a world changer. So often we want to shape the world while being impervious to change ourselves. I believe he shapes through us and he shapes us. And as he shapes us, we're able to shape the circumstances and the things where we find ourselves. Feelings and emotions and circumstances will shape you randomly, but Jesus will always shape you purposefully. If read that scripture in Romans 12, and then it goes on to say, don't be conformed, don't be shaped by this world, but be transformed. Number two, follow me and let the cross shape you. Matthew 16, verse 24 to 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And that is one of those very sobering scriptures, and I'm glad we keep reading it because we need to understand I preached at a conference about what if deeper means being buried. Going down into death so you can be raised up in life. So that the seed you have in you gets, for example, sown into KCC. And you might not get your will and your way and everything that you want to do here. But what if you get sown in and all of a sudden there's an explosion of life, an explosion of plants, <coughs> an explosion of seeds. Tim, you gave that word about cross the crossroads think about it you're at a crossroads today and i believe there's people here who are at a crossroads that very word the cross is going to take a dying to get where you want to go and then the third follow me and let your future shape you So follow me and let me shape you. Follow me and let the cross shape you. Follow me and let your future shape you. This is a wonderful scripture. I was reading it to Fred before the service and getting very excited. Philippians 3, verse 12 to 14. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me, brethren. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do: forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Sometimes we need to get a, have a cold shower and realize what we're pressing on. For towards. I'm pressing on for my family. I'm pressing on for my future grandkids. I'm pressing on for my marriage. I'm pressing on for my children. I'm pressing on for my teenagers. I'm pressing on for my church. I'm pressing on for the call of God that is on my life. I'm pressing on for the next generation. I'm pressing on for a building fund. I'm pressing on for KCC in 25 years' time when I might be dead or I might not be. I might be just still sitting in the front row giving it what's up. But I tell you, we have to know what we are pressing on for. Paul knew what he was pressing on for. He wasn't wimp. He wasn't sauntering out of that grave. He was saying, get me out of here. Paul was saying, I'm not going to let something in my past or my present stop me from reaching my potential. Which was prize enough for Paul. He says press on. That word to press on means to run swiftly towards a goal. Harass and trouble. How anyone can think that you, yes we have it all in Christ. How anyone can think that means sitting around when you've got the Apostle Paul saying we need to press towards the mark. Yes, abiding. Yes, no striving. But there was something in him that said that when I hear that voice I want it and I'm going after it. He said, I lay hold, that means to seize. None of this is wimpy language or limp language. He says, I am seized, and so I will seize. (coughs) He says, I count not myself to have seized Christ. Do you know why he said, I count not, that word count, that whole concept of I don't count myself to have, means because if I do, I will disqualify myself. You look it up in the Greek if I think I've got it all and I just have to sit back and do nothing, I disqualify myself because there is something to seize in Christ on an ongoing basis. Forgetting those things behind. Listen, how come I can forget names and words and faces and keys and glasses and passwords and my iPhone and I get annoyed with myself? But Paul says he chooses to forget his past. He chooses to forget the stuff that's behind him. It's not, you know, when I don't, I choose to forget. That's what it means. Look it up. I choose to forget. And what does that mean, to forget? It's the word epilanthiumi. It means to neglect and no longer f- care for or propagate. And that comes into that story of the seed, where the seed gets sown and the thorns rise up and they choke the word of God. Because what he's saying is neglect the thorns, they will die and the seed will prosper in your life. Reaching forwards, he said, to the mark. It means to stretch towards. To stretch towards. To stretch towards. Action, I press towards. Your future, your vision will define your present reality. What you're going after needs to shape your present reality. The prize is the call. Prize is the call. What does hot pursuit of Christ look for us today? Let me...